0: Welcome to Splinters, courtesy of The Bench, your Friday night sports fix. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the wise man, Matt Mears. Yes, welcome to the Splinters podcast, courtesy of The Bench here on Triple H 100.1 FM, TripleHFM.com.au, and wherever you find your good podcasts, such as podcast.com. I am the wise man, Matt Mears, and we've got a super special edition of Splinters coming up, an international edition, if you, may, if you may say. We've got cricket coming to you this week, and I thought rather than having one of our usual guest hosts with everything that's happening over in England, I'd the world and try and find two of the best that would be able to come on and discuss everything that's happening over in England. Unfortunately, they weren't available, but I was able to ring up my best mates from Effingham Cricket Club over in Surrey, England. First off, we have the first 11 skipper. He is the brother of Alex, Ed Cooper. Ed, welcome to Splinters. Hello, good evening. How are you doing? Pleased to be here. Thank you for asking us all. Mate, it is great to have you here. We look forward to all your English uh, insight uh, coming up over the next hour. But uh, to join us also on the line, he's just as comfortable sitting at home on a Friday night watching Love Island as he is out in the middle. Cameron Walters. Cam, welcome to Splinters. Hi, Mirzy. How are you doing? Lovely to be here, mate. Mate, it is great to have you on as well, boys. I said, it's been all happening in English cricket for um, the last couple of months. It's coming up even bigger now with um, the Ashes coming up as well. But uh, before we get into all the big things that have been happening in international cricket, for for our listeners out there that that probably have heard me mention Effingham a little bit, okay, maybe more than a little bit, over the the past few years with uh, my involvement in the club, Take, take us through the club. Where are you guys? What's the club about? Where are you guys, um, playing league levels, everything you can tell us in a quick summary. Um, so the, the listeners can really have a, an idea about Effingham.
1: So we are, we're a reasonably small club in Surrey. So we're sort of about an hour's train journey outside of London. Um, we're playing at the moment in like in the seventh division in Surrey cricket so it's not it's not world class but it's all right we've got two teams out on a Saturday and one on a Sunday and loads of kids down on a Friday night so uh, we are in a good place we like we've got a good first level at the moment we're all, all good mates um, we are third in the league chasing promotion we're just one point one point off second five points off top so five games left in our season now we've got five really big weeks coming up
0: well. You mentioned, promo- you mentioned promotion there. For, for for us over here in Australia, we don't really have anything like that. Once you're sort of in your league, that's where you stay, or association as we call it in Australia. So tell us a little bit about the promotion relegation. How far, how low can you go with, the, with that promotion relegation? I mean, well,
2: in, in theory, you can go, there's, there's no really ceiling to the system. So you could go as high as you like, as as you as you can be taken really. Um if you've got enough talent coming through or you've got the right mantra in the club, you know. Obviously you can go as high as you want, or as low if it's uh spiraling (laughs) in the other direction. Um but yeah, obviously we're a we're a very young club. Um most of the first level is is about sort of my age, sort of nineteen twenty sort of thing. Um So I'm hoping that this is the start of a really positive journey for us. Um, And if we can get one promotion, keep on pushing on, kicking on, get some more players in, Um, but obviously still keeping the core of the club as it is, which is obviously one of the great attractions of Effingham.
0: Well, it certainly is. And I'd tell you, as as an Australian that comes in to to play with you guys, you do have that, that club feel, that community feel, whether it is... Friday night on on as you mentioned before, it, it's Colts night. It's juniors night where the the outfield's literally taken over, and uh, you get um, you get some of the the older juniors come down. The Sam Cobbs, the Ollie Tebbets, uh, the Tom Cobs, all those boys. I'm sure they'll be loving the shout out at the moment. But uh, it's really good to see that those guys in that sort of fourteen to to 17, 18 bracket as well as some of the old guys, the, the chairman in Paul Stroud's down there, you, you Martin Keyes, um, Mental Mike, he's down there too. But, uh, but really just uh, having having those kids learn. And, and the best part for me when I was lucky enough to come down and, and help out a bit was just the kids, when you ask them at the end of the training session, did they want to come back next week? And it was a resounding yes. So it's really good to see that, there are those youngsters there that, that love the game, even at that young level, and that the club's there helping them and wanting them to come back week after week.
1: Yeah, no, it's real cricket is fun stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's our Friday Night Chaos. brings out all of the club's characters. <laughs> um, oh, it's always good fun.
0: Well, it, it certainly is, but, um, but obviously it's been identified that's the pathway you get them in at that age you hopefully keep them in the club you move to saturday where we have where effingham had the first and the second 11 where second 11 where i was playing probably don't need to mention too much about them but um obviously they're doing their job supporting the first 11 they they're getting those youngsters in getting them used to that men's cricket which is really important it is that step up from from Colts cricket but the ones, so they are bouncing around currently in Division Two, I believe, of the um, Surrey County League. Um, as as you mentioned before, Ed, with um, the seventh um, rung down, the seventh division down. That's because unlike in Australia, where sort of if you're playing in your if you're playing in your park cricket, you're playing in park cricket. If you're playing in Shires cricket, you're in Shires cricket. Or if you're playing grade, you're playing grade. In England, it, it really follows the, the English football-type um, promotion, relegation, where you can be in a bottom league, but if your club does well and it promotes well and you get the players in, you can work yourself the way up. Because I said, you can work yourself all the way up to the top of the Surrey Championship, where, like grade cricket here is, first grade grade cricketers are supplying the guys for um, Sheffield Shield Cricket, if you're in the Surrey Championship, the guys there are pushing for the Surrey County team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think the um, that's top division or top two divisions in Surrey are probably going to be better than the Surrey Second Eleven. Um, you've got a lot of a lot of the Surrey players play almost every week there. Right, we've had Jake Lehman has been the what well, has been the overseas for for the team at top of the league. Um, so a lot of uh, quite a, more international cricketers playing in Surrey this year than I've known before. Actually, Weybridge put Waybridge put out three currents: Tom, Sam, and the younger brother Ben. All played in the same Saturday fixture. Uh, so this is pretty pretty decent cricket going on.
2: I think they were talking last night on Sky that more, so many more Australians have come over to um, to play in the Championship and even some League cricket because of the Ashes this year. Because obviously, in the past, it's been mentioned that. Australians don't come over early enough and don't, aren't used to the um, English conditions. So I think they've made a real effort this year. And that obviously filters down into um, into some level of league cricket and, you know, lower levels rather than first class.
0: So what you're saying is that I should feel appreciative that you guys were able to squeeze me in? You didn't, guys didn't get a better offer?
2: Yeah, we could just kind of find you a spot, I reckon. <laughs>
0: Well, as I said, again, I'm always thankful for coming over and playing. Obviously, this was my fourth time over playing with you guys. But um, as well as as well as well having um, the Saturday teams, we've got Sunday cricket um, with the Sunday league where a lot of the juniors play as well. But there's also the T20s. And the advantage of, of, of England during the middle of summer is... The fact that you guys get those longer nights, the, the sun doesn't go down to that nine thirty, ten o'clock type of time in the evening. So after work, you've still got a time for that three hours to finish a 20 And the FEM T20 side are going very well again this year after a gangbuster year last year too.
1: Yeah, so that is something we really are excelling at, I think. So as we said earlier, the majority of the first team, or the core of that first team sort of, 19-20 years old and while those guys are, I think are still learning a little bit about Saturday cricket and long long day cricket they are a good 2020 outfit I think you won't see many better fielding sides around than uh, our 2020 fielding sides so after making the Surrey wide final which from you know as we said being in the 7th league of Surrey to, ma- to actually make that final and be in the top two 2020 sides last summer it's actually a bit of an unbelievable achievement um, with This summer, we're back through. I think we're through to the last eight, so we're in our regional final. So we're just one match away from Surrey finals day again. So I don't really understand how we're so good at 2020 cricket. You got any thoughts, Cam?
2: <laughs> I mean, I think you hit me on the head there. Obviously, a young team were raised on 2020 cricket. Like we, So we were... When when did we start playing adult cricket? Probably when we were 13, 14. And at the same time, so we were playing... A kids match in the morning, a T20 match in the morning, and then going back in the afternoon to play a a full day game. So when you're when you're playing both in conjunction, you're obviously gonna you know take aspects of one to the other. So being raised on a game like T20 it means that by the time when you're when you our age now, like much more developed, hit the ball harder, stuff like bowl much faster, you're obviously gonna have an advantage and. A, a, made the point about the fielding, that's a massive advantage for us, because obviously you see these teams around us who are fielding much older outfits, and they just can't keep up with our sort of fielding standards, like catching, just throwing it in hard, just the general buzz in the outfield, and it makes such a big difference, especially in T20, when every run obviously makes a massive difference. So I think that is where we are like miles ahead of other teams, to be honest, and that is Arguably, what's carried us to a lot of these a lot of these wins, obviously, our our batting and bowling is developing and learning, and we're learning about that more and more every time we play. But the fielding, one hundred percent, gives us an advantage.
0: Well, we we know that that's probably the least. It's the least focused on part of cricket obviously we go to nets on a thursday night in effingham's case and i know like I said the, the the fielding drills and everything like that's more than we ever see in australia and you, if you can focus on that on the on the least the, the least focused on things and be better than that in your opposition particularly when you're playing those older sides where yeah they've got some good bowlers they've got some guys who can hit it out of the park but uh, when you're taking those quick ones and twos to fielders a bit slow, and you're cutting them off, then obviously that's going to be um, a, a, an advantage to you. But from a, from my perspective, coming through as well, you've, you've got some of those players there. You've got your Chris Fusions and the guys there that the, the, the all rounders that that can do a bit of everything. And I think they're the players that oppositions kill for. I saw on. Effingham social media a couple of weeks ago, you had your brother Ed Alex Cooper who for the 1s, he's for the 1st 11, he's he's batting down the order but he's been making runs and, and he got you guys home in a very tight game and if you've got these guys that can contribute with the bat, with the ball and in the field no matter if it is T20 or if it is 1st um, 11 cricket, no matter what it is, it's going to do a lot to help you win cricket games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the real strengths of our group is that, especially when I'm looking to pick the team, we want guys who bat, bowl, field. Um, so we want you know athletes that can contribute to each part of the game. Really, that's the aim.
2: But well, I, I said you've it. Got, I think you have got two of the uh, two of the only blokes in the team who can't do all three. In me and Ed, because we are wheeler yeah, <laughs> at bowling. Man, I, I played
0: some games with you, Cam, and. You've taken wickets. They might have oh. been blurred, but you took wickets. Oh, boy, and Ed is it? Is it?
2: We're talking about going up in the world. If we're talking about my bowling, then we really aren't. We are really in trouble.
0: <laughs> well, May said we we want to keep it. We want to keep it between us. We want to. We want to show everybody that uh, it is. It is fun. We are having fun here. But um, if we if we do have to mention your guys bowling, then yeah, maybe maybe we need to find another topic. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, As I said, as much as we love Effingham and um, it is a club that's had a lot of highs this year, unfortunately, in the last couple of weeks, uh, a low for the club with um, Ray Pritchard, the beloved president of the club, passing away in the last couple of weeks. Um, Obviously, when I was over there um, not so long ago, he he was in hospital the whole time. Obviously, everybody had high hopes that uh he was going to pull through and and just needed some surgeries and and everything like that but uh when I got back and heard the news that uh he was able, he wasn't able to keep up the fight and uh he's left a big hole within the Effingham club boys uh Tell us a little bit about Ray and what he's done for the club and and just uh the reaction to his untimely passing.
1: Yeah, so Ray, Ray's, Ray has been a member of the Create Club, certainly for longer than we've been alive. Um, I don't know exactly how far back he goes, but well, I think he probably joined the club in the 70s or 80s. He sometimes we go to an away game, and he used to say, oh, I remember playing here in 1970, whatever, and remember how he did. So he'd been around the club for a really, really long time. He'd been chairman uh, I think in the sort of late 90s, early noughties. Um, and then he, he was still playing until really recently. He was the the wicketkeeper in the first adult games I played for Bookham um, when I was sort of 13, 14. So I've known him a long time. Still, he was still playing cricket. He still kept wicket in his president's game last summer. So it's quite a shocking demod, really. I, mean, I went to see him in hospital just a few weeks ago. And he was, uh, he was fine. He was just really frustrated. He was missing his cricket, um, so that's yeah, no, really sad for the club. And we lost, uh, lost a great servant there.
2: Yeah, like, so, in terms of, so in terms of my side of it, it's like he's pretty much the reason that all us boys have such a good chance at the club. So he's, he was instrumental in um, like setting up this the cult section, like the junior section, making what it is today. Him and uh, Mike Holson mainly the two, the man he talks about Erden, mental. Um, and he's just, he's got, we, the club as a whole, not only have we lost like a great, great bloke to have around the club, like he talks to everyone, like just such a positive person to have around the club. Um, but it's just his, his drive and his ideas are actually what help bring the club to what it is today, especially in terms of the cults. And he had such a big part in the Colts, even on a Friday night, he was always there doing whatever he could um obviously obviously frustrated in uh you know when people told him that he had to take it a bit slow, take it slower, take it easy, let someone else do do, do the jobs um but it's just it's it 's a massive loss for the club, and he he will he really will be sorely missed by everyone
0: yeah he 's just one of those guys that really he Part of the furniture there more than than anything like that you you go to those clubs it's, whether it 's him it's, There's there's a there's a multitude of guys at effingham and and not being able to see him this time and 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 we won 't see him going forward is just an absolute tragedy, obviously, with the president 's day coming up in a couple of weeks, I know you guys will have a another chance to to relive his memory, and I'm sure he'll be looking down and, and loving that. I know I'll be paying tribute in my first game with a uh, black armband, my first game here in Australia, um, to to such a great man. And uh, as I said, the the little justice we can do just by mentioning him on this podcast is, is really just uh, clubs, clubs like Effingham, they run on these sort of guys, don't they?
2: They really do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, he's always he's one of the hardest working members of the club as well. Um, no job too small. You'd always see him, even in his later years, doing
0: all sorts, emptying the bins. Great guy. Yeah, we we can't have we can't say uh, much more about Ray. Just. Uh... One of those legends, and um, he'll be remembered for a long time. Even even with his scoreboard that uh, whenever you would put this, the photo up of the old scoreboard being used at the Cougar Ground, for those obviously that don't know, Ray donated an electronic scoreboard to the the FEM Club, which uh, was a very heavy scoreboard that had to Sorry, be put out before score. every fish. Very, very, it's three people having to lift it type heavy scoreboard. And um, he'd always be... Um, on the the WhatsApp club group, trying to get scores from the game, and it was almost a taboo if you put up a photo of the old scoreboard at, at Effingham with the old manual scoreboard being used. Uh, Ray loved that scoreboard, and then I'm sure uh, his legacy will continue through that scoreboard, and uh, he will not be forgotten. But uh, I mean, we'll move. Yeah, it has
2: to be said that this new scoreboard is one of the most ridiculous things ever. <laughs> I mean. Oh, In our in our, our defence, the, the controls on it are just ridiculous. They're absurd. I
0: learned how to use it in five minutes. I don't know
2: how it was so hard.
1: Well, you I need don't. to learn Chinese to understand
2: it. Someone must have just built
0: different music, clearly, you're just a cut above. Apparently, with the, oh. when it comes to the board. I'll send you that twenty quid later, Cam. For that, yeah, but um, no bother,
2: mate. <laughs> Save it for but, the circuit.
0: Oh mate. pop world. <laughs> I am looking forward to Pop World. Whenever I get back to Pop World in Guildford, whether it's next year, the year after, I'm I'm there already. We got the first day I'm getting there, we're we're in Pop World, I'll tell you about that. That was that was a big night and I think if anybody wants to know more about Pop Pop World, I think we need to leave that off the podcast because uh well, I know we we're well, talking we a little bit before. Let's not, stop
2: not oh, the, the podcast. Oh take a day off for you. Pot world is for every occasion. I'm one of the biggest advocates of Pop World, probably ever. And I'm happy. I'm happy to put that on wherever this podcast ends up. I will stand by that.
0: Mate, I'm loving Pop World as well, but. uh I said, Ed's, Ed's antics at 4 a.m. after pop. Well, we don't think we need to mention those, but... Um, oh, I don't it's, know. <laughs> Ed, Ed is the first 11 come out. We've got to show respect to the skipper, mate. we got to show respect to the skipper. I thought
1: I thought it's a family show. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: why we're not mentioning it. That's why we're not mentioning it.
2: so oh, a well. splinters after hours podcast, eh?
0: Yes, <laughs> Love, Love Island's got enough. After after our splinters, we'll we'll, we'll have a, a special uh, a special edition. If, if how about we'll say this: if if jump on our social media if you want splinters after dark with our recall of our uh, night out in Guildford including pop stars we'll see if we can bring you that in in the next couple of weeks but uh, get on social media and uh, and request that one i know cams already trying to do that now but uh, get the demand up it, right now <laughs> get that demand up it was a it was a great night i look forward to to doing many, it all many again more. Many, many more. Well, as I said, I'm always available. If someone out over there can sponsor me coming over, I can come for longer and many more pops, um, Pop World uh, trips. But uh, we'd better keep going with this show. As much as we love talking about Pop World, it is supposed to be a cricket edition, and it's supposed to be an English international edition of Splinters. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, just uh, England happened to do something... Oh, that they you I thought would never happen, they won the World Cup. So, obviously, a big day for English cricket. What was the reaction like over there with um, um, raising that trophy at Lord's on that Sunday?
2: Oh, it was incredible. I mean, they talk about, like, a country getting behind a whole sporting event. They talk about the 2005 Ashes, the um, Football World Cup last year. And there was a real feeling that cricket was actually becoming... Almost like much more popular. we like people who'd never, never really been interested in the past. Because obviously we knew from the start of the tournament we had a chance. But I mean, wow I, it was it, that the, the day of the final. Although I was feeling violently sick for most of the day, <laughs> Um it was oh, it was it was such a great day. I mean, such a convincing win as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: What a in, dominant in a performance, convincing win. You got to a you got to a super over by the ball ricocheting off a bat, and then you had to, and then you drew the, then you tied the super over, and it went to most boundaries. Crazy, but you won. Everyone,
2: everyone knew the rules and regulations of the competition when they signed up, and I don't think you can cry about it now.
0: Now the palms have won. You know, uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. But it, it, it had to happen eventually. And uh, from the 2015 winners in Australia to the 2019, as much as the New Zealand should have won it, we congratulate you for that big victory. But as much as I think everybody's talked about the, the World Cup, I, I want to know a little bit more now before we, a couple of minutes before we got to take a break. What does this mean now to English cricket? Going forward, you've won it. It's been great. What happens this year, next year, five years into the future for Effingham as well as for just cricket in general? Is it going to see more players? Is it going to lead to um, improvements in the game? What, what's your guys' feeling on on what this win does to cricket going forward? So.
1: Firstly, I, I just think it's good to always win the pre-test series, one-day one, day, one day series. Uh, you'd rather win it than not win it. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's going to be that relevant come Thursday at Edgbaston. Um, and that's, you know, that's where this summer really starts, isn't it?
2: God, you're so bored. <laughs> are, you j- are you joking? we have got Joffrey now.
1: Yeah, no, and it's good. It's you know, He's had a run out. He's seen what it's like to play for England, and he can make his make his debut on Thursday, won't he? I well, he should be. Anyway, that's well, that, that for we all. we're going to talk really.
0: about the ashes after the break. But but what does it <laughs> see? What what do you see about player numbers and those sort of things at your guys' level going forward with the excitement over the win?
1: Yeah, I mean, so from a participation point of view, like we have had, there have been more inquiries into the club about the Colts. That's definitely happened. Um, what else has happened? Oh, a few of my mates, actually, I used to play school cricket with. Some of them are definitely showing more interest in coming back into the game. So I do. it is going to encourage people to take cricket up again. Uh, it's sort of reminding them that it exists, reminds them that it's quite good fun. Uh, so I do think it's going to be really good for the game. Um, it was unfortunate that Friday after the World Cup, we had all of our momentum. Everyone was liking cricket. It was rained off and there was no Friday night coats. Um, so we still lost a bit of the momentum there. But well, I think over the next year or so, it's going to be really good for the game.
2: Even from a, a top-level thing, though, like, I mean, obviously I don't know much about the ECB financial systems, but there's got to be more funding pumped into cricket now at grassroots level, because I know that this momentum exists. So a, as soon as there's interest in the game and there's more funding, there has to be some level of increased funding to try and get more people into the game whilst the demand's there. And that... And that, for a small club like us, hopefully, filters down all the way to improving our facilities or our participation level, and that could only be positive, can it?
0: I have to agree with you there. Any any time you can get more money into your level of cricket is just that into our level of cricket. That's just where you see the numbers can take off.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like little clubs like us, sometimes. Rely on that sort of funding to to push us on to the next level, so a big like a massive win like this and a genuine increase in interest in cricket nationwide has to be will show positive signs for us
0: well i said i, I don't think anybody can disagree with you there it, it was a big win to England, obviously now with that momentum carrying through. After we take our quick break here on splinters, we will be talking about the ashes obviously if you if you want to take any any if you want to keep any momentum in cricket, it would be taking that win and then and then taking that through to the ashes and just keeping it the game on the front pages of the papers. But we do have to take a break on splinters here, whether you're listening on triple h one hundred point one f m or on any of our various podcasts services, including podcast dot com for Matt Mears, for Ed Cooper and for Cam Walters, we'll be right back.
1: It's time to hit the ice. Your all-about-caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 All Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6 pm Sydney Bears hear us roar. sponsors of Triple
0: H yes welcome back to Splinters the bench podcast whether you 're listening on triple h one hundred point one Fm or on our many podcasts services including podcast.com. I am the wise man Matt Mears, and you are listening to our special international edition of splinters it is the cricket special the England cricket special we've got Ed Cooper and Cam Walters from the Effingham Cricket Club joining us on this momentum special but we've had the we've had the entree we're now here for the main course the ashes it's a couple of days away we're all excited here it's the pinnacle of cricket As much as the World Cup win that England just had a couple of weeks ago, this is what the cricket purists are waiting for. Five test matches coming up, and uh, there's been a lot going on already. There's been pre-match tests against Ireland. There's been Aussie warm-up games. There's squads being announced. But really, we're just waiting for Thursday and that first game to kick off, boys. What's the excitement like there? I know everybody's on a high after that World Cup win, but... uh, Surely, you guys there, the cricket purists, the cricket players, you're just chomping at the bit for the Ashes to begin.
1: Yeah, I think it sort of snuck up on us a little bit, really. Um, so, so soon after that World Cup, I think we saw that World Cup hangover in that Ireland test match uh, this week. Um, so hopefully the boys realise that they can get back to it. It's not Winning the World Cup is not the end of the summer. It is, in my view at least, the very, very start.
2: Yeah, you always, you always look forward to the Ashes, don't you, as a uh, as, as a cricket fan. Like like you say, it's the pinnacle of our sport. Um, and I think this this series has the potential to be, maybe for the wrong reasons, a very, very good Ashes test. Short as well, because no one can take it past three days, but that's not the point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think re- a really interesting series in the making.
0: Well, we'll mention the couple of warm up games that we've had. England, first up, um, they had the test against Ireland at Lords. He's saying it's it not going past three days. This one didn't. It had everything, though. England suffering that hangover, all out for 85 on the first day. Ireland, they were all out as well for 207, 20 wickets falling in the first day. Uh, England, though, they they put on a much better performance, but with Jack Leach top scoring, opening the batting, the ultimate dream, the number 11, coming out to open the batting and scoring 92 to make 203. But uh, I know on our side over here, watching this in interest, waiting for um, the Ashes to begin, Ireland, they only needed that sort of 180 to win. I know on the bench last Friday, we had Nathan Smith, who was part of, Ireland's first ever test squad, he was on the line talking about it and and just what it could mean to Irish cricket if they could get the job done. You thought with 180 it was going to be close, but uh, Chris Wokes and Stuart Broad had other ideas. Ireland all out for 38, and uh, as much as the disappointment for us Aussies and for the Irish, I'm sure as English fans, you would have been happy to see that happen. Because you needed something coming into this Ashes series, where if if Ireland had gotten close even, and it was still a win, you'd be sort of just a little bit shaky. But now you you made that statement bowling out Ireland for thirty eight. I mean,
2: it was just it was ridiculous, wasn't it? Um, I mean, to, rel- to rely on Jack Leach to play the innings of his life, having not got into double figures in first class cricket all season, I don't think, or. Something along those lines. And then, oh, to scrape to... Well, well, we made a decent start in the second innings with the bat, but honestly, I was seriously concerned. It's like if Tim Murta can do this to us, imagine what start Cummins and Hazel are going to do to us. I mean...
0: Well, Leach... Yeah, well, I said Leach getting 92. Jason Roy, sorry, boy, he he made 72 as well. But other than that, not a lot of runs in that England second innings.
2: No, the batting no. is obviously a big concern. Probably for, oh, I don't I mean I don't want to say, it, but for both sides, Australia as well. Um, obviously, bowling's the strong point for both teams at the minute.
1: I think that was, that was just the weirdest Test match. I mean, England played so poorly from ball one. You know, right up until the beginning of their bowling innings, that final innings, they're so so poor. But then also the whole way through that match, I was convinced England were going to win it. I mean, if, you look, if you're a betting man, you look at the odds. The odds didn't really move much during that game at all. I don't understand how you can play so poorly and yet still be certain to win.
2: We well, you probably only won, for being generous, two 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 and a half, maybe three sessions out of the three days. You
1: probably win. won two sessions, yeah.
2: Um, and to then have such a convincing win in the end. Is you know, it's, it just shows what a strange game cricket is?
0: It really <laughs> make sense. Well, you, you see, Ireland having to field in that ridiculously hot day, and then for the weather gods to come out and give England that overcast and the lights had to be turned out. They to bowl. Ireland have to consider themselves a little bit unlucky, surely.
2: Well, it looks like Lord's yeah. is our lucky spot at the minute, isn't it?
0: <laughs> With, uh, <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always an element of that, isn't there, but you can't, yeah. Wokes and Broad did bowl, given the conditions. Like, you still have to bowl well in the conditions, as much as they can help. Like Ireland did on that first morning, um, Tim Mercer in particular, he got the ball to move. Wokes and Broad put it on a spot, you know, and it, it, it wasn't, there was some pretty loose Irish shots, but you still have to make the best of the conditions.
1: I was, I was in London on, on the first day. Yeah, not well, it was on Friday, wasn't it? On Friday. Probably no more than 5 miles from Lords and it was the definitive bowling morning. It was perfect.
0: <laughs> Sticky, wet. The roads were all wet, there are puddles. It's perfect. Well, they certainly took advantage of the conditions. They ended up winning by 142 runs which given that game Ireland would consider themselves a bit unlucky, but said it 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 creates intrigue for whenever they meet down the road. Australia's warm-up game, they had a couple of Australia A games while the World Cup was going on, but there was one big game. It was billed in the lead-up as Australia versus Australia A and for us Australians, we remember back in the 90s when they had the Australia v Australia A one-day series where England couldn't even make the final and it was Australia v Australia A in the in the in the uh, tournament final out here in Australia, but uh in the end, it didn't. It didn't happen. We got the Brad Haddon versus the Graham Hick match, where basically twenty-five of Australia's best got split up over two teams to to play it out at uh, the Hampshire Bowl down there in Southampton on what was an absolutely horrible pitch. But I said wickets. Well, wickets were falling in London at the Lords. There was wickets falling here as well. Um, I said. No one in the first innings of either side not being able to step up. Uh, Manus Lambershan with 41 in the first innings for the Brad Haddon 12. He was the best of them, but uh, Michael Nieser with four for 18. That probably got him in the Ashes squad. And then you look through the second innings. Um, you look through the first innings for Graham Hick 11. Not much to write home about there. Mitch March being the top batsman, that's really saying something with, well, I'm sure you all know how we feel about Mitch Marsh. Peter Siddle also taking four for there. That probably secured his spot as well. Second innings for the for the um, Brad Haddon 11. Everyone's favorite English Every English play, every English person's favorite Australian in David Warner making fifty-eight um, for the, for them with um, more wickets for Pattinson and, and five for Mitch Marsh. God, what are they trying what to a, do? What a game! What a game he had. He had a big game, Mitch Marsh, and he's in the squad, whether we like it or not. But Honestly, it's, um,
2: I, I really hope that he gets picked because then we have I got can't a wait for him to get picked.
1: <laughs> it really gives us a chance. <laughs> he's I, a I Oh, look, well, well, Cam, you went on to make a gutsy 23 in the final innings to make, to make sure that Graham Hickboys got home.
0: Well, Cam Bancroft, your other favourite uh, Aussie player, making 93 that sealed his spot. I know, I know, I know. It's uh, not Colin down at the uh, down on a Friday night checking my pockets for sandpaper, but surely. Uh, you boys are going to have some fun with some of these names here. But uh, it was a low-scoring game for the for the two Aussie select sides. But uh, bowlers, at the end of the day, you saw Nisa probably getting a surprise spot with a good performance here. Mitch Marsh, obviously, with Pfeiffer and some runs in that second innings, getting his spot as well. And Cam Bancroft back from the wilderness as well um, with his 93 getting in the side. I know that you guys want to see that, that 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 trio of Warner, Bancroft, and and Steve Smith in there because I'm sure you guys are ready for them in the grandstand.
2: I mean, you, you, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, they're all tools, but <laughs> um, for the for, for the good for the good of the game, you you do want to see Smith and Warner in particular, don't you? Because like they're the, they're like the world's best. Smith in particular is one of the world the World's best test batsman, and personally, what's well, okay. ugliest? <laughs> wow. Well, Sorry, yeah. Mr. Style, because <laughs> <laughs> Ed, you just reek of uh, visual pleasure when you bat. Uh, I, I, you want, you want to see them. Smith, in particular, like when he went last time he was in, we made that unbelievable double ton at at Lords, and you just, you want to see him for the game, don't you?
1: Yeah, no. Um, Apparently not. (laughs) No, it's good. It's good. Definitely good to have Warner and Smith back. I think just just looking through this card, I'm quite I'm quite pleased by who did well in this Australia game because it's not it's the guys that I think don't worry England. I think you know Michael Knees are in the squad. Bit of a waste. Can Bancroft get probably getting back in the side. I don't think he's gonna hurt us. I think he's got the game to hurt us. He's been over at Durham all summer. And he scored some runs, but not many runs, and he scores them so so slowly. Like you are England, and you've got you know you got James Anderson and whoever else bowling at him, there will be a ball that's gonna get him before he gets any runs, before he gets, you know, match changing runs. So happy to face Bancroft. I think who else is gonna pad out that middle order?
2: I mean that's but, what I was that's what I was thinking. Like I'd love to the hear bodies? what Miersy thinks of this, but one blow that I was delighted was not in your squad was Alex Carey. Yeah. Why on earth is he not being selected?
0: Well, I said, I think it was a race between him and, um, Matthew Wade to be that reserve wicketkeeper for the amount of runs that Wade has scored. I think the powers that be in the, in the Australian side still recognize Wade as a wicketkeeper batsman. And, uh, with the weight of runs, the, even though the historics that, that Alex Carey showed, and in my mind, when Tim Payne retires, and I, I don't think that's going to be too far off, Carey is the man. He will be the man to take over from Tim Payne. So it is interesting to see that he couldn't make this squad, but just to, for perhaps the, 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 the public outcry of having to get weight in this side and the fact that they're expecting Payne to play all five tests, That Carey's just going to have to wait his chance.
2: No, but I I agree with Matthew Wade getting selected because he should have been selected probably two or three years ago. With him out, he was in there two
0: years ago, but playing because he's not been playing. He he was, I think, back in 2017, about that sort of time. He was, he was the the keeper batsman, and then when everything. Sort of happened. That's when T- see Tim Payne took over from Wade. That's that's what that's what a lot of people don't seem to forget. Seem to forget is that um, that Payne hasn't been in that role very long, and he took over from Wade. So Wade in the Australian eye, Wade's always seen as this guy. He's he's sort of the he he's the one that's known for a bit of chirp out on the field and, and playing the game really hard which after all the events of South Africa they've been trying to get away from so it's interesting to see but it's interesting to see him back there but weight of runs does it
2: what do you what do you think about Mirzi what do you think about Payne like because when you look at that squad you actually you've got to think and who's going to play in that 11 surely the one who has to go first is actually Tim Payne like what does he justify even being in that team He's not made any runs in the warm-up. Oh, um, when does he ever make runs? Before he got selected, did he even make any runs in? Um, he wasn't. You know, he, he was barely in
1: the Tasmania side when he got selected for Australia.
0: Did he make? Well, Wade Wade is the incumbent keeper for Tasmania, <laughs> so it, it's an interesting one with Tim Payne. He, he's more of a selection, I feel, because he's the one that they want. To represent Australia, he's the one that they want the face of because he's not that Smith, he's not that Warner, he's not that ugly Australian type. He is so the go lucky, the, the 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 cheerful type of guy that they want to show Australian cricket as now after everything that happened in South Africa.
1: He so, just looks so top. good. He looks so good, you know, baggy, long sleeves, gloves. He is—he's a he is a great, great-looking wicket-keeper.
2: i am i am not sure about this whole. You're getting away from the Australians that got you to being the best team in the world. Oh yeah, they've lost their bottle. Like, imagine not picking someone like I think Alex Carey. I don't, I, I was—I couldn't believe it because why can you not just get picked as just a batsman anyway? take the gloves away from him do like do, do a thing with Josh Butler picked as a batsman start as a keeper pick as a batsman that, now that is my that is my question that's why so
1: who's going to fill up this Australian middle order Wait, do we know if Kowaj is going to be fit yet
0: is he in the squad he is,
1: he in, the squad. is in the
0: squad well why don't you boys we'll, we'll go into that now we'll go into our Ashes teams I'll read you out my team and you guys can pick it apart I only can really It'd go off the easy. squad that's been picked yeah well all right, I've got Warner, Bancroft, Kawaja, Smith, Head, Lubbershane, Payne, Cummins, Pattinson, Hazelwood, and Lyon. So, no no Mitchell Stark, um, no Marcus Harris, who you could think could be a, a pick at the top of the order, no Matt Wade, no Mitch Marsh. Is Stark injured? There is, he is, they said him and Kawaja are both under an injury cloud, yes. I was going to say, like,
2: how could you not have Stark in there? Um, well,
0: how can you not – I said, there's – there's, in my mind, if I could pick all four, I would. <laughs> um, yeah. But then you've got to pick Nathan Lyon and I said, as good as Pattinson and Cummins are now with the bat, they can't fill seven and eight.
2: No, I mean, just listening to that, that um, squad, that line that you got, it sounds like a long old tale.
0: Well, as I said, but you can only really pick on, on what's in the squad – I said having a having like a carry at, a, at six or having or said, I'm I'm, I'm not a fan of Wade, so I that's why I don't have him in there. But but having a batsman of his type at six is something that selectors may go for to to take the game away. Hopefully, come in when the ball's, say fifty overs old and not swinging around as much and and um, score at say a strike rate of eighty. And, and really get the scoreboard ticking over. But uh, when you've got a squad of 17, it is sort of hard to yeah, to, to get well. it back to 11. Well, that's I... the old days. That's the old days of, of Ashes Tours. When you're playing, when you're over there for the entire summer and playing a, a county game between every test and playing the one days as well, you needed that big of a squad. But now we're only really talking five tests and I think maybe one game in between against a county. I don't know if they need all that seventeen or or if they needed guys to have a rest. There's players over there playing that can be drafted in.
2: Yeah, I mean, bringing over half of Cricket Australia to bring into your squad, you know, is more indications that Cricket Australia are just farcical.
0: <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think looking at looking at the two squads, I am much happier being in the English camp. I have to admit.
0: All right, well, then, boys. Well, I don't know. With, with, uh, I, I think that
1: there's a lot to like in this Australia team. I think In Warner and Smith, you've got two guys that are, like, well, I do think will score heavily. And, you know, you're not going to need many runs to get into this test series. So Warner and Smith on their own take you a long way to enough runs. And then you've got a good bowling attack. You've got, you know, multiple players in that bowling attack. So you don't really need much else. You write Australia off at your peril. It's just who bats 3-4-5, 3-4, no, 3-5-6, isn't it? Sort of open spots. You you say Travis Head is like nailed on. I think he scored two runs over two innings in that game. Labeshagny, you know, the question marks there. He's done quite well this summer for Glamorgan.
0: I don't know. I think that's probably the form that he's had for Glamorgan's probably got him in the in the side and that forty odd as well on that horrible pitch in Southampton. But we'll go to the England squad. They've named fourteen for this first test and as said you've you've got um you've got um Jofra Archer being named and it's heard some excitement there. Other than that, it's the usual ones. Jason Roy as well could be um, now a, f- a fixture, whether he turns in to be a good thing or, a, or, or sort of how Aaron Finch's experiment went for Australia in playing test cricket. That's yet to be seen. But uh, I'd love to hear, what's your guys' thoughts on that first 11 for England for this first test? So,
1: I think England, feeling you know, right or wrong, england got a really, really good idea of who's going to play in that first test. So I don't really think there are many question marks out there at
2: all. I think all the biggest question marks are over injury, and Joffre Archer mainly. Yeah. Because I think if he's, one... if he's 100% fit, he will be playing. But if he's not, then they might hold him off from Edgbaston for the second test.
1: Yeah, I'd be tempted to do that. I mean, I think they've got one spot available for Wokes, Archer and Sam Curran. I think I that's the only
2: selection sorry you reckon Sam Curran still got a, a question mark I I'm would not, have Sam I, Curran yeah I do I do like Sam Curran in the way that he's you know he's actually he's a, he's, he's gutsy no matter, what, yeah, I, no matter what game situation he's always good for a 30 and a quick 30 I think
1: I think they might pick him trick him and then leave out see leaving out Wokes is harsh now uh, to leave out Wokes and Archer
2: Unless you then potentially have got Broad and Wokes going for the same spot. Well, I don't think you can I don't think you can drop I think this I think this could and maybe should be Broad's last Ashes series. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't see uh, the um, point in going to Australia. No, because he does virtually nothing. And especially when we've got Archer who can actually go to Australia and he can do a job there. A hundred percent.
0: Well, um, you awesome. see Archer playing in the big bash. You see what he does on Australian pitches with an Australian ball in the big bash. And Archer, he uh, said the Aussie batsmen don't have a lot to, to repel him with that pace and that bounce.
2: No, I mean, they were talking about on Sky Sports last night at the T20 about what the Australians would least want to see in our team. And surely, I don't know, I mean, you might, you might disagree, but in a selection, you get you're either getting Archer or Sam Curran. You're going to obviously going to be more scared of Archer, aren't you? You're going to want you're going to want to face Sam Curran over Jofra Sir Jofra <laughs> Sir
1: Joffrey. Yeah, I just, it's a question of how many overs has, has Archer got in him over five Test matches. Yeah, so if you pick
0: cooler yeah. but if you're picking say. If you're picking four pace bowlers, and then you've got you've got um Ali and Stokes in the team as well. If you've got those six bowlers there, then you're not having to use him in big spells.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm with. I think he can bowl four or five over bursts, quick, aggressive, and then you know just a few times in a, in a day or even in a session and if you yeah. do it, you can do a real job it's sort of what Mark would try to do but just better
0: yeah, is and then you've got sorry get go on no I was just saying that you've got you've got Anderson you've got Broad you've got Curran or Wokes as well with um with Ben Stokes having to do some of the the pace bowling as well so as I said, if they can keep him to that, if they want to go an extra batsman, that's probably when maybe he might, uh, he might fall out of favour.
2: Yeah, I think Ed, Ed was right in the fact that there's probably not that many question marks. Like, the the middle order is pretty set. The only question I'd say, other than Archer, Wokes, Curran, is um, who bats three?
1: The thing is, I think that is a, a good question. I think England probably got the wrong answer to that question. And look, this is where it's going to change. I think England's top three are going to really struggle. So I think the, the top three will be Burns, Roy, and then Joe Denley at number three. Now, I don't see that top three surviving the th- into the third test. So whilst I think we know the England side now, I think the England side, probably the third test will be different to this because um, his point. I think we're, you know, we're wasting spots in our side. We're leaving out some really good cricketers, and we're picking Joe Denley just to bat number three. Uh, I think
2: that will change. Yeah. Ed, am, well, I am, I, I, am I right in saying that Ben Folks is got a is, is injured and he's got a side strain? I wasn't aware of that. Is oh, so I thought that was one of the that was like the big reason why I didn't get picked because I think Bearste is seriously lucky to be still getting a chance. In my opinion, yeah. I think he's if if Ben Folks was fully fit, I'm pretty sure he's got a side strain at the minute. I'm pretty sure Folks would be. In there ahead of though. So. better gloveman and arguably as good a batsman, yeah. if not better.
1: He's not playing for Surrey, is he?
2: No. You might be right. I'm, I think I think he said yesterday it was a he's got a side strain, so I'm not sure how far gone that is. But if he was fit, he'd he'd be in my eleven, let alone my squad.
0: Well, I said lots lots to lots to discuss there. I said maybe not as black and white as we first thought, but uh it's going to be a great test coming up at Edge Baston. I said then we've got Lords, Headingley, Old Trafford and then the Oval to come. Now, the big question, <laughs> the result. After five tests, who's going to be holding the trophy, the little urn and what's the score? What's the result going to be? How many games to how many games? Come on, boys. Put, put everything on the line now. We need to hear your predictions. 3 2 England.
2: Yeah, I was going to go 3 1 England. Oh, there's Ooh. not going to be a draw.
1: There's no way. I, be a draw. I think there's going to be a bit of rain around. We're not having a stellar mm. summer
2: over here. You know, That's the, that the only way <laughs> you can get a draw, is if there's rain. Because no yeah, one can back. <laughs>
1: but you, you'd have said
2: the same. You'd
1: have said the same about the um, the previous Ashes series, and that yeah, England lost four nil. But every
0: single test lasted five days. Mm. Well said. I, I, having been there myself and now back over here, I know rain will be uh, involved somewhere as well. But uh, I have to go three one to the Aussies as much as it will probably. To your digress, but. Uh, Blimey. It's going to be a great series, no matter yeah. what. <laughs> Three one all... Australia. Oh, I just,
2: I personally don't think. One of the things I'm most confident on is that none of the tests are going to go to five days. <laughs> unless, none, unless there, unless there is rain. I don't think any of the. I don't think any. Maybe one test will go to five days, just because it's gone out the It's gone out of test cricket now. Interesting. Do you not think? Who in that... uh, Right, so in the England team, Root, he can make big runs and stay there. Burns, if he gets in, can make big runs and and grind it out. Other than that, they're all hitters and hitters get out. In that Australian team, David Warner can make big runs and Steve Smith can make big runs. Other than that, they're hitters and hitters get out.
1: Bancroft. Bancroft collapse. is Burns.
2: Yeah, but Bancroft isn't going to make it past ten overs, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, boys, as I said there's lots of, lots of predictions, lots happening there, and that's why we love the Ashes coming up because literally anything can happen. But uh, it's after what's been a great, a great. Um, Episode. It's hard to believe that we're out of time already here on Splinters, the Bench Podcast. We're looking forward to the next seven weeks, whether we're over here in Australia or across in England. Ed, Cam, it's been such a pleasure to have you here on Splinters this uh, this for this week. Ed, thank you very much. Hopefully, we'll get you back on Splinters another time in the future.
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks very much, them. busy. It's been a pleasure. No
0: been real good fun. No worries, Cam. And uh, when I'm back over there next, uh, another Pop World visit for us is certainly on the cards. Oh, here
2: we go. <laughs> here we go. Let's we'll see if you can finally scull a pine eh?
0: Oh, here we go. That's <laughs> never happening ever because uh, of reasons that are not being brought up on this podcast. But uh, Family show, family show. Family show, yes, family show. But, um, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. So, um, we've got to leave it here, but uh, for, for Ed Cooper, for Cam Waters and for the wise man, Matt Mears thank you very much for joining us for this week's edition of Splinters whether you're listening on Triple H 100.1 FM, Triple H FM.com.au or on podcast.com, all out the plethora of podcast sites that you can get us down thank you very much for joining us we'll see you next week <laughs>